Good morning, Shehan. It uh, it's a Tuesday, well, man. We appreciate you being with us this morning. Yeah, thanks those for having me. Let, let's dive right into this thing. Let's talk some college football. Uh, uh, we we were just discussing the the dollars that are being uh, thrown around by networks to to the uh, to the Power Five schools. And one of the things that we discussed yesterday was. Does a 12-team playoff or a 16-team playoff, whatever they come up with, if they come up with one, does that help create a competitive balance? And then you follow that up with, does the dollars that the Power 5 schools are getting, does it prevent a competitive balance across the country in college football? I mean, the short answer is yes, right? And the other thing, even just within the Power Five, is that the SEC and Big Ten are about to probably head in a direction that the other three conferences aren't really going to be able to match, right? I mean, we've seen some projections that the SEC and Big Ten could be pushing, you know, 70, 80, 90, 100 million dollars, while the other three conferences are more in the 50 million dollar range. And now, at the same time, I mean, that's plenty of money. You can create, obviously, a very good college football team that way. But, yeah, I mean, when you have that level of disparate resources, it absolutely affects the playing field. You know, that's that's something that's so impressive about what Cincinnati did this past year is that when you look at the, the power teams versus Cincinnati, I mean, Cincinnati's working with a $7 million television payout versus obviously every other, you know, Power 5 school making in the 40 to $50 million range. So, yes, it is going to affect it, and, I mean, Look, there's a reason that Texas and Oklahoma uh, thought that maybe the SEC might make some sense for them, and it's because, you know, this this high payout is going to be a huge advantage heading forward. And so, you know, it'll be really interesting to see in an expanded world, in a 12-team or a 16-team, when you do have some of these teams still making the playoff, how recruits look at that, how players still look at that. And I think that there will still be plenty of opportunity for, I mean, honestly, a school like Baylor where – you know, you have great uh, coaching, you have great development, and as long as you're able to keep, uh, you know, good coaching and development around, I still think that you'll have a chance. But, I, I mean, look, if some schools are making tens of millions more than others, that's just an advantage that's going to be tough to beat. NCAA Final Four is set, and Kansas sitting right now maybe with the – maybe not the most athletic team, but it seems like they're they're getting a lot of – Things go their way. Does that continue in this final four for the Jayhawks and Bill Self? Yeah, I mean, they've had a pretty charmed run to this point, you know, getting some really good matchups along the way and making it back to the final four for the first time in a couple of years. And so I, I think that there's a lot to be excited about with this matchup because when I look at this final four, you know, Villanova is a good team, but I don't think that they're, you know, the, a super elite team by any means. Obviously, we got to see them in Waco. Uh, earlier in the year, and, and they struggled, right? I mean, they, they're kind of a streaky team at times. And so I think that Kansas is going to be ready for a team like that. And then you look on the other side of the bracket, you've got Duke and UNC. And, and certainly Taylor fans know the kind of trouble that UNC can cause. But, you know, these aren't elite teams. These aren't unbeatable teams. This isn't, you know, Baylor last year. This isn't even Gonzaga last year or anything like that. Uh, so, I mean, I, I think that this is a prime opportunity for Kansas to go and, and try to win another championship. Now, Again, the flip side of that is that Kansas also isn't an elite team of their own, right? I mean, they are a very, very good team. They could be a championship-caliber team, uh, but, you know, they can be streaky, too. They need some things to go right. They got blown out a couple times this regular season. So, uh, you know, a a lot of things are going to have to go right. They're going to have to prepare correctly. But I do think that there's a great opportunity for Kansas to win this whole thing. 
Shahan, Coach Aranda, and the Bears are going to be back at practice today. And it, they're looking at their roster. There's obviously the quarterback battle, the running back battle, but I'm intrigued by this wide receiver group. That it's it's extremely deep, and they need somebody to step up and be that number one guy. When you look at this group of players, do you see has, is there any in particular person that's catching your eye that might emerge as the uh, wide receiver number one? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. I mean, it's, it's tough to kind of look at this whole deal and think. I mean, obviously, I think that we got to see some nice stuff from Jalen Ellis last year, uh, but he's somebody who hasn't had a whole lot of targets, a whole lot of catches. Um, you know, they, they obviously bring in Armani Winfield. He's a, a true freshman. You know, it would be a surprise if he stepped up in, in sort of that top role, but I think he's going to have an opportunity to be a major contributor. And, uh, you know, so, so I think that they're going to need somebody to step up, especially, you know, the guys that I kind of mentioned, they, they aren't necessarily the biggest of guys. I'm curious if they kind of have a big guy step up as well. They do use the tight end, of course, a whole lot in the passing game to kind of create those opportunities. But, yeah, I mean, Tyquan Thornton obviously leaving for the NFL. That, that's a big loss for them. And, and I don't know that they clearly have a guy who's ready to step up into that role. Talking with Shahan J. Roger from CBSSports.com. Uh, Shahan, an article in uh... – uh, on CBSSports.com uh, from you talks about Big 12 football. And uh, y- your key note on Baylor was replacing the running back uh, or running backs, if you will. H- how do you think that unfolds as the spring goes along? Yeah, it'll be a critical question because, you know, I remember talking to Jeff Grimes, the offensive coordinator, last year. And one of the things that he said was that they didn't know whether they had that guy, right? I mean, when you talk about the wide zone offense it's not necessarily something where you need this you know this incredible inside zone gap scheme running back right like I mean it it is a situation where you just need a guy who can be patient you need a guy who can be decisive and you need a guy who can be physical through contact and Abram Smith was perfect in that role right and so uh, he obviously goes and rushes for well over a thousand yards and is one of the big 12's best running backs and so heading into next year they need to find that guy and they have a guy who I really like in that potential kind of role. I mean, Jordan Jenkins uh, coming out of Lindell was a big time physical player who dragged his team to the state championship game, you know, rushing for over 2000 yards in high school. And I think that he has the potential to be a very physical runner, but he is only a red shirt freshman. The other guy who's certainly going to factor into that rotation is Tamek Williams, another player who's a, a little bit more of an underclassman, but has gotten some snaps under his belt. But, you know, they have to find that guy, right? I mean, I think that they're going to be looking uh, throughout camp for that guy. You know, one thing that we saw, too, is that they transitioned Josh Leak full-time to running back. You know, he, he had kind of been in a hybrid role, played a lot of receiver. Uh, and, you know, another thing, too, right, because they do also lose Tristan Ebner, who was a little bit more of that versatile, maybe somebody who was able to catch a little bit more out of the backfield. Uh, I think that they'll kind of use Josh Fleeks in that role. So, they, you know, their whole offense kind of is built around the idea of somebody being able to attack those gaps that the wide zone creates. And, uh, and if they can't find a guy, it's going to really change the way that they have to play offense. Jayon, does it feel like this NFL draft may be the quietest one we've had in some years? There's not a whole lot of anticipation and excitement about this draft, it doesn't seem like. Well, I'll tell you what, I mean, obviously I think the biggest reason for that is that the quarterback class this year is not exceptionally good, right? I mean, we're probably, you know, maybe we'll get one quarterback drafted in the top 10, but there's clearly not sort of a top-level prospect in this draft. And I think that is especially disappointing because of what we saw last year. You know, last year we have Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields and Mac Jones come out, and, you know, that's kind of a game-changing quarterback draft. Obviously Trey Lance worked his way into that top group as well. 
you know, this year there there isn't a guy. You know, I mean, some people like Matt Corral, some people like uh, Kenny Pickett, but you know, those aren't necessarily the t- type of top level quarterbacks that we're used to seeing coming out. Malik Willis, obviously, another one coming from Liberty, and so you know, I think that anybody who drafts a quarterback is taking a pretty big chance here, and. I don't think that somebody in the top three necessarily is going to do that. You know, I think that maybe it's going to be a little further down the board. There's good players in this draft. This is actually a pretty exceptional edge rusher draft. You know, there's some good defensive linemen in this draft. But those aren't glamour positions, right? I mean, everybody's looking for that next great quarterback. And I think that when when there isn't a guy in the draft who's going to be a game changer at that quarterback position, it's tough. Now, the big thing too is that when you look forward to 2023, the two best quarterbacks returning in college football are Bryce Young and CJ Stroud. You know, those would be the first two quarterbacks off the board if they were eligible this year. That also plays a role in it. And also Will Anderson coming back to the best defense player in college football. You know, that plays a role in it too. That the fact that, you know, the two best quarterbacks that that uh, were in college football last year aren't draft eligible. So I think there'll be more excitement for 2023, but 2022, I, I think it's just not going to be quite as loud. Let's stick with quarterback, Shahan. When does Q- Quinn Ewers become the starter for Texas? <laughs> I think that they don't name him in spring because one of the big things, too, is they, they can't have Hudson Card transfer, right? I mean, Casey Thompson's out the door. They do have Charles Wright on the roster, but it's not quite the same, right? I mean, having somebody who has some experience under their belt, I think, is a big deal. And the other thing, too, is that Quinn Ewers legitimately hasn't played uh, you know football at any level in two years and has basically never played college football before. So, Yes, I expect him to win the job. Obviously, I think that he's going to start week one. I think he's going to play against Alabama. But, uh, you know, he's not a sure thing, of course. You know, you're still talking about somebody who hasn't played in a while. So I think that they keep that battle open through the spring. I think that they open it up in the fall. And certainly I think that Quinny was ends up winning it in the fall. But, uh, you know, the way that you have to manage these battles, especially if you're Texas, is you do have to, you know, keep these things open, give everybody a fair shot because, you don't want Hudson Card to transfer. And so, you know, it's going to be, I think, a little bit of an interesting battle. And and I don't think it's impossible that Hudson Card, you know, steps up and wins that job. He was a top 150 type recruit coming out of high school. He's he's a great quarterback of his own. But obviously, I think that Quinn Ewers kind of gives them a little bit of a fresh start, a little bit of a clean slate. And so I do think that by default, he does end up winning that quarterback job. Jay, how we got three new head coaches in the conference. Uh, which one of those three head coaches, Oklahoma Tech or uh, TCU, which one of those three has the best chance to, to really have that, that, that big season right out of the box? Yeah, I mean, if you're talking a big season right out of the box, so that's, that's actually a really good question. So I, I think that just going through them quickly, I mean, Sunny Dykes at TCU, they're kind of stepping into a tough situation. I think that it's a little bit of a roster and turnover I'm not going to say Brent Venables because I think that, you know, people expect them to win 10 games, and I don't know if they're going to do that. I think it might be a little shaky. So if you're talking about somebody who I think could maybe make an immediate impact, I really like the staff that Joe McGuire has assembled over at Texas Tech. They, they have some holes to fill. I mean, they have to they have to get their roster in order. But, you know, offensive coordinator, they go with Zach Kitley, who led Western Kentucky to the best offense in college football last season, coached Bailey Zappi to a record-breaking season at Western Kentucky. And then defensively, they get Tim DeRuiter, who did a fantastic job at Oregon last year before, you know, he, he was just let go because Mario Cristobal moved. So, I mean, they've got a great staff over there. I really like what they've got going on. 
I think that's uh, I, th- I think that they they're going to have a really clear identity on both sides of the ball, which is something that I think that they struggled to have under Matt Wells. And so, you know, look in terms of wins and losses, I mean, they won seven games last year. I don't know if they're going to be a whole lot more than that this upcoming year, but I think that the product is just going to be better. I think they're going to have a chance to be really competitive in some of these games. Um, and you know, so I, I think that relative to expectations, TCU and Oklahoma might be a little tenuous. I, I think that Texas Tech might have an opportunity if the quarterback position hits. They're going to have a couple guys uh, competing for that role. You know, I, I think that they might have a chance to do some special things right away. Jay on with Baylor's Pro Day approaching this week. What what player out of the Big Twelve is first off the board? Hmm, that's a good question. So. Uh, Looking at the board, I mean, obviously you've got a lot of Oklahoma defensive players coming off. Uh, right now you've got – well, oh, actually, you know, one guy who might be the first one off the board is actually Jalen Petrie from Baylor. I mean, I, I think that he's going to have a chance to go really high in the draft. I think that he's going to have an opportunity to to compete to be maybe an a, a early second-round pick, maybe even a little higher. And, and this, is, this isn't this is like a huge transition year in the Big 12, right? So, I mean, that's why, you know, that's why it's a little hard to think of because there isn't necessarily a, uh, an, an elite prospect coming out of the Big 12 this year. But I, I think that Jalen Petrie is going to have a chance to go really high. You know, people really like him and, and his ability to play sort of safety or nickel potentially in the NFL and so I think that he might be one of the, those guys who has an opportunity to at least compete maybe down the road to, to push for the end of the first round. Shayon, last thing I got for you, Demetrius Davis, obviously the North Shore quarterback, in, uh, went to Auburn. Now he's in the portal. Is this a situation where you think he comes back home and lands at one of these Texas schools? I think that's going to be a big opportunity for him, for sure. I mean, I, I look at you know even Houston, right? I mean, Houston – uh, they have Clayton Toon, but they don't necessarily have a succession plan. I mean, UTSA, I think, has a great uh, would be a great fit for him. But you know, I'm I'm curious too what kind of interest he gets, right? Like if you're, I think that there are other SEC teams who will have some interest. I think there's plenty of Big 12 teams across the big, you know, across the geographical footprint that should have interest. Um, you know, but if if I'm him, you know, I think that there's a lot of great opportunities in the state of Texas right now. I mean. You know, I think that's a, that TCU is a, is a place that has a lot of questions at quarterback. Um, you know, Oklahoma State could be a place, too. You know, you, you look at a place that has a lot of inconsistency. And then I'll even look out to sort of uh, Arizona State, though, too, because Arizona State has a lot of questions after losing Jaden Daniels to the transfer portal. And so I think that uh, I, I think that he definitely will look hard at some of these Texas schools. But, you know, it's going to depend a little bit on what kind of offers he gets coming up as a transfer. Shayhan, uh, a great article on uh, on college, on Big Twelve college football. What else are you guys working on for uh, CBSSports.com? Yeah, later this week I'll also have one coming up on the Pac-12, kind of a similar style article to that. We'll have ones uh, breaking down each of the conferences over at CBSSports.com, but you can check out the Big Twelve one. That was the the first one that we released. Shayhan, as always, it is a pleasure. Thanks for your time this morning. Thank you so much for having me. Talk to you soon. That is uh, Shayhan Jayaraja from CBSSports.com.